0: Don't you hate it when the sound people are right? <laughs> uh, I hope you can stay awake uh, this morning. Boy, after that music there, they'll that, tire you out just to hear all that. I don't know names in the green dress. What's your name? Katie? Katie? Kaylee. 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 Kaylee wrote that last song they did. And, wow. Yeah, praise God. Amen. I I know some of you by this time are kind of slipping off into, into uh, a sleep. And I, I heard about that lady that uh, went to the pastor and said, uh, my husband is embarrassing me. He goes to sleep during your preaching. And I said, well, my goodness, there's a lot of them do that. You know, don't worry about that. She said, well, it bothers me. He said, well, I do hear, I know of a solution. I, I heard a lady one time that had a problem like that she would take a little Lindberger cheese and put it in a, a little baggie. And uh, when he'd get to sleep good, she'd just run that cheese under his nose and said, that'll startle him and wake him up. So man, she couldn't wait to get there. And it wasn't 10 minutes in, man, he was out. She took that cheese and he jumped right up in the middle of church and hollered, get your feet off my pillow. <laughs> Have I told that here before? <laughs> Have I? <laughs> well, glory. Amen. We're, we're going to have a good time tonight, too. It's going to be good. We had not got to cut up or do anything, but it is going to be great with this family tonight at Mason Creek. Hope you'll be there for that. Turn, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Jeremiah chapter 2. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, live stream, for hanging with us. I know probably you didn't get the first part of the music because uh, it wasn't hooked through the system. Uh, did, did we not turn the microphone on or anything? We didn't know how to do that, huh? It was not, Okay. <laughs> I'm just the dumb pastor. I mean, you know, I, it's all right. The sound, people, you got it. All right, praise the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 1. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, in air, and all-sufficient word. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the firstfruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend, evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Jacob, of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain. Father, thank you this morning. How blessed we've been. Lord, thank you for the sweet spirit that's in this place. And I pray today, God, that your Holy Spirit would have control of every thought, every word that's said, that it would honor and glorify you. Lord, we're asking you to save souls, save sinners who are on their way to hell, God. May today be their day of salvation. God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, as this message that you've laid on my heart, I pray that, God, it would come forth with love and, Lord, with a with boldness, uh, God, to call us back where we need to be, Have your way and your will in every life in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing up. Jeremiah had an interesting beginning. In chapter 1, verse 5, God said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Aren't you glad that you matter in the womb? Boy, that ain't much. Aren't you glad that you matter in the womb? Amen? We just got Roe versus Wade overturned. Aren't you glad you matter in the womb? We may not be known by this world, but we're known by God. And Jeremiah didn't become uh, important or started mattering when he was 18 or when he turned 13 or when he was on a sonogram. Or when he was born in the the hospital, he mattered at conception. That's where life begins, at conception. God said, I formed you. I made you. I gave you personality. I gave you purpose in the womb. When folk are living without purpose, they become depressed. They become distracted. And uh, no longer can they operate the way God wants us to operate. I love this little GPS thing. I, I plug it in all the time because it does tell me when I'm speeding too, uh, if I turn the volume on. Uh, but uh, uh, I didn't used to trust them because they would dump you out in a place when those things first came out that you had no idea where you were. You were just roaming following the directions. But I learned something about the GPS you can't get the directions until you plug in the destination. When you plug in the destination, then it can give you the directions. There are a lot of folks who are trying to get the directions on living for God, and they've never plugged in the destination. You've got to plug in the destination that you're a born-again, blood-bought child of God, and that the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection is the coherence that brings us together as a family together. God said, this is what I want you to do, Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, I'm not able to do this. God reminded him he was able to do it. You see, when God gets a hold of you and the Holy Ghost gets in you, he consumes you, he consp- uh, compels you, aren't you glad when God calls you, he enables you? He doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. If God's called you to do something, some of you this morning, already people said, well, there's nothing I can be able to do at Mission Week. Well, one thing, I mean, good grief. One thing, it's sitting in air conditioning. That's no step one. Number two, we're going to deliver uh, meals to all the homeless people all over Longview all week long, all over East Texas. And somebody's got to make those bags and make those sandwiches put those chips in there and, and handle all that. Could you not? I'm telling you, if God will give you a purpose, you, you'll be happy in Him if you'll seek the will of God. God didn't call you to sit on a pew. God called you to represent him as an ambassador. Moses, my soul, he was overwhelmed by his inadequacy. He said, I can't talk. Isaiah, overwhelmed by his inadequacy. Gideon, overwhelmed by his inadequacy. Jeremiah is overwhelmed by his inadequacy. But they got it done because they were connected to the great I am listen when you need healing I am there when you need power I am is there when you need strength I am is there when you need direction I am is there God is telling him don't be afraid Jeremiah yeah you're going to be mocked you're going to be locked up uh, some people don't want to hear the truth I remember when I first started pastoring there, I, I had this crazy feeling I'd been with preachers that, well, anyway, it, it, you know, there was a lot of compromise going on back in the 70s and 80s. And I just thought, Lord, if I ever get to pastor a church, I'm going to tell the truth. That's what people want to hear. First Sunday, we had 17 that wanted to hear it. Four of them was my family. <laughs> Second Sunday, we had 14 wanted to hear it, and four of them was my family. The third Sunday was Memorial Day weekend. We had nine, and four of them was my family and my family would have liked to have gone somewhere, I just wouldn't let them. (laughs) I'm telling you, I found out real quick, people wanna hear the truth as long as it don't pertain to them. I mean, I can get up and ramp and rove over certain sins and people just hoop and holler and all that, but boy, you start talking about gossiping, and you start talking about holding your tie, and you start, man, people get nervous. They get nervous, and God is telling Jeremiah, listen, Just tell the truth. God's going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. And he was known as a weeping prophet. He was an emotional person. He he wept over God's people. He was concerned about their destiny. I wonder today, where are the people that have burdens anymore? I mean, when's the last time we saw somebody just burdened? I mean burdened. They couldn't talk. They couldn't pray. They couldn't sing. They were just burdened. We just kind of flippantly say, well, we'll pray for you, and then move on. Jeremiah was a prophet that wept, he cared, he he was uh, worried about their burdens. Now, we're in a different era now. Uh, Jeremiah was speaking the word of the Lord. This was a prophetic era. And uh, God would come, and I'd sit down over here in a chair, and God right there would speak his voice and tell me what to say. And then Jeremiah would go and say exactly what God said say. Amen? You say, well, what do we do today? Well, I'll be honest with you, God's never sat down in my office and told me anything. I know I'm a dud, but I'm just telling you, he's never spoke to me. But now listen, I'm not short on any of that because I didn't get up and hear a sound from God, but I have my hands on a Bible. This is the Word of God. This is tested and tried. It's been through the fire. Men have tried to destroy it. Uh, Countries have been trying to get rid of it. People have tried to deny it. But I want to tell you, the grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. It's not going anywhere. This book's not going anywhere. You say, well, I don't like it. Well, you get over it. Because it doesn't matter whether you like it. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. I'm just telling you the truth. This is the standard that God has given for us to live. I'm so glad Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 1, he said, Moreover, the word of the Lord. Jeremiah 2, 3, he said, saith the Lord. Jeremiah 2, 4, hear ye the word of the Lord. Jeremiah 2, 5, thus saith the Lord. I can draw three things from that. And actually, this sermon don't even have a point in it. So, because I knew it was going to need to be fast. Uh, so, I, it don't even have a point. Uh, so I, but I did draw three things from this. Number one is the word is settled in heaven. It's settled. It's an unchanging word. Somebody comes by you and says, Hey, your Bible's all right, but I've got this updated book. You tell them they're crazy. You tell them I, they're of the devil. There ain't no updated book. In fact, we're given a... a, a, a a, a curse if we put anything into this book or take anything away from this book. You, that's just crazy. The word of God is forever settled in, in, uh, in heaven forever. In Revelation 2, 3, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith is saying unto the churches. In every one of those cases, it was written to an individual church, but it's for the all of the churches. This book is for us to be studying and to to be just enjoying the fellowship of this book. The Word of God is settled in heaven forever, but it's also settled, it's authoritative. It is the authority. Jesus Christ met the devil in the wilderness, and he unsheathed the sword, which was the Word. You know how he defeated Satan? He didn't say, I bind you. He didn't say, you can't come in here. He said, it is written. It is written. Folks, if we'll quit trying to convince the devil of all this stuff and just go back and get in the book and start saying, devil, it is written. Oh, I don't know where you're really saved. Oh, yeah, devil, it is written. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't come here with me that. No, it is written. It is authoritative. And then thirdly, the Word of God being authoritative and being settled in heaven. Now listen to me. Don't miss this. It's written to be obeyed. God didn't write this book just so he could have something to do. God wrote this book so that we could study it and obey it. It is our guide to life. He said, I remember thee in verse 2. Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee. I remember thee. You know, there was a lady uh, that came to the temple, and she was upset because she was barren. She was married to a man, and his other wife was able to have children. But this one, Hannah, couldn't have any children. She was barren. And she prayed, Oh, God, remember me. Remember me, God. If you'll remember me, I'll turn around and give this child back to you. And that's exactly what happened. The Bible said God remembered her. She had a child. She brought the child back to the temple. And she said, God, this is that child that I'm giving back to you. Samuel became one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament time. Because God remembered her. And she remembered God. I remember thee. But listen to me. Here's the sad point about this message. Everything he says from, I remember thee, everything from now on, is in the past tense. Mm. It's in the past tense. I remember thee. I remember, uh, look at, I remember thee, the kindness of your youth. I remember when your families were together and husbands and wives. I remember when you went after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. I remember when we had fellowship together. I remember when this was the way it is. But it wasn't that way anymore. They were in the past. The question I got for you this morning. Is your relationship to God a memory? Is God looking at you and saying... Oh, yeah, I remember you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, these folk hadn't been out very long. I mean, you know, Abraham, it's not long before Abraham was there, and they saw what God did with him. And then they saw what God did with Moses, how he led the entire Israeli nation out of bondage from Egypt. And then they saw Moses up on Mount Sinai. They saw the manna. They saw the water. They saw the quail. They. they and then... God blessed and blessed and blessed and they hadn't been very long from a time when they didn't have a human king because they followed the king of kings. But Israel kept saying, we want a king. God said, no, you don't need a king. Yeah, we want a king. We want to be like all the other nations in the world. We want a king. Finally, God gave them one. You want to read some bad history, just start from right there and go down. God's way is always best. Now, when it comes to a relationship, he said, all we've had is in the past. How about your relationship? Is it a memory? You remember the day you got saved? Just think for a moment. Now, I I know I get a head start on y'all because God deals with me, and I get to to do this before I pour it on y'all. But I remember the day I got saved eight years old in a revival meeting in First Baptist Church Corrigan I remember the excitement the fulfillment it was just man. even as an eight-year-old it was it was something you couldn't contain I remember the next day at school my third grade teacher miss Esther Williams said call me by another name I don't want to call that name you'll you use it against me she said mr. Hunt <laughs> she said stand up and tell us what happened to you last night in the middle of school stand up and tell us what happened praise the Lord and then maybe you got saved in the joy and the peace and the happiness then somebody told you about the word of God and you read in there where death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, that'll set you on fire when you do that. Then you got to studying about it a little bit and you found out you were adopted, you were justified, you're being sanctified, you were cleansed and washed in the blood of the Lamb and your name's been written in the Lamb's book of life Woo, I'm glad I got saved, amen? Amen. That's what the gospel's all about this morning, being saved. And then you found out God wrote a love letter to you. And then you're able to get the love letter. You you don't understand it. The first time you picked it up, you called Job Job. You you called Psalms Palms. I mean, you, you didn't halfway know what you were doing, but the more you did it, Man, the Holy Spirit would just begin to, to tell you things and show you things, and you got happy. And then you, you found out about that thing called prayer. You got on your knees, and God spoke to you in your heart, and, and He answered prayer. And, and boy, you, you were just piled up because you got an opportunity to talk with the King of kings and Lord of lords. An open invitation 24-7. And then you... Somebody told you about a thing called church. You walked in and your spirit bore witness. Something strange in here. It's called the Holy Ghost. Man, I want to tell you, when you walk in and you don't sense it, we better all get on our faces before God. Holy Spirit the bore witness and the choir began to sing and they sang about that blood that washed your sins away and tears would roll down your face and heaven became more real and you didn't care if the preacher preached on hell. It didn't bother you. You saved. Then somebody told you that we're going to have a mission week and you could get involved in missions. Amen. You know we got one this week. I think we've got over 50 lined up, but there's still room for more. We've had, I I don't want to lie about it, either 17 or 18 professions of faith in the last three weeks. We're asking God to do the same thing this week. I'm telling you, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen. All we're trying to do, Tucker has done a marvelous job of organizing and getting things set up the first thing you learn on mission trips is to be flexible. You may get there Monday morning and everything change. But I'm telling you, wow! You get to work with God's people. Not only do you get to go to all of this in heaven too, <laughs> man, that'll set your boat on fire. And then, then you begin to tell your coworkers, and your neighbors, and your family. You said you wasn't going to tell nobody. But you just couldn't keep it. You couldn't keep it in. You'd go to the store. You'd go to the mall. You'd go to the family reunion. You'd get on Facebook and just say, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can change anybody. You was pumped up. You was fired up. But somewhere along the line, the good bread got stale. Prayer got old, Bible got dusty, soul winning became non-existent, standards went out the window, shouting, as for crazy people, oh, you, you haven't quit church, you just don't come as much as you used to, you still believe the Bible's the word of God, you just don't read it very much. You still believe in the power of prayer. You just don't use it much. You've still got all the bones in your face to make a smile. You just ain't got nothing to smile about. I remember, if you're in that shape, the best days of you and God are just a memory. I remember when you came to the house of God with a smile on your face i remember when you came with joy in your heart i remember when you wouldn't ever miss a service and when you went out of town you left your tithe and now you're in town and you still don't tithe i remember thee choir would sing tears roll down your face testimony time came well i remember in the days before we'd have a testimony service and men, the people stand up and they'd apologize. I'm sorry, I just can't hold it. God's been so good. The last few testimony services we had didn't last five minutes. God says, I remember all of that. But that's memories. That's memories. What in the world happened? What causes people of God, what causes people who love God dearly and walk with Him to turn their backs on Him? What causes people who were holy and following the Lord to go their own way into a life of worthless behavior? I'm going to give you the nutshell, and then you're going to be mad, because I could have gave you this one sentence, and we could have all gone home and had lunch. (laughs) In a nutshell, you can say they became confused about what was valuable and what was worthless. They became confused. That which was important to the Lord was considered really irrelevant. Maybe even irritating. Priorities and values became totally distorted. But that's what happens when you neglect the Word of God and you neglect prayer. Wisdom is replaced with foolishness. You see any of that going around today common sense is replaced with nonsense and stupidity and confusion and what is truly valuable ends up being shunned and it's replaced with a bunch of worthless pursuits that have no eternal values I'm not preaching against anything I'm not preaching against sports I'm not preaching against fishing. I'm not preaching against RVing. I'm not preaching against anything. I'm just telling you if there's anything in your life that's taking your heart, your mind, your attention off a holy God and putting it on a worldly place, it's sin. And it's wrong. And it will lead you to destruction. It may not happen this week. It may not happen next week. But I promise you, you neglect the word of God, and judgment's going to come. The Bible says in Matthew 5.13 that we're the salt of the earth. If the salt's lost its savor, wherewithal shall it be salted? It's good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under foot of men. When, when salt loses its effectiveness as a child of God, when we lose our effectiveness, we become useless to God we become a memory God says oh yeah I remember I remember you hmm the Scots translated the word savor with a more impressive word called tang the Scottish would say we've lost our tang I guess if the salt can be tang the pepper would be pep we've lost our pep We've lost our get up and go. We've lost our anxiety, our excitement, and even anxiety. You say, well, anxiety is not good. Oh, it is when you're anxious about something. Let me tell you, I'm anxious about the Lord coming again. It creates anxiety in me. I can hardly stand it. I'll stand out there on the doorstep looking for a bus. I'm ready to go. great tragedy is when Christians don't care about their testimony. How's your relationship with God? How is it this morning? There's a story, a true story, in the time of Cyrus, the great, great emperor. He had a guy that lived on the outskirts of town. He was kind of like an Osama bin Laden. I mean, he devastated things. He was a rebel. Nobody could catch him. He would run and hide and be held up all over. And finally, Cyrus the Great said, I'm tired of this. Get the whole army, everybody. We're going to get that guy. And we're going to bring him back here, and we're going to sentence him to death, and we're going to kill him and his family right here. And that's what they did. They went out, they captured him, brought him into the judgment hall there. Cyrus was sitting there on the throne. They brought Cagular in with his wife and two little children. And Cagular was a handsome man, and his wife uh, was a noble-looking woman. His two little children had beautiful golden ringlets in their hair coming around their face. And Cyrus was was impressed with Cagular. Cyrus asked him a question. He said, if I were to pardon you and not put you to death, what would you do? He said, if you were to pardon me, I would serve you the rest of my life. And then he looked down at those two little children and he said, if I were to spare the lives of your children, what would you do? He said, if you were to spare the lives of my children, I'd go back and your enemies would become my enemies. And the army that I've got, I would join together with your army and I would fight for you the rest of my life. And then Cyrus looked at Cagular's wife and said, If I were to spare your wife, what would you do? He said, Sir, if you were to spare my wife, I'd gladly die for you. Cyrus was so moved and so impressed that he pardoned him. But he not only pardoned him, he made him the governor over the province that he came from. And so they're going back to the palace there, and they walk through the palace, and 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 Cagular's never been in a place like that, and he said, "Did you see it, honey? Did you see the portico, it, the marble, and the colors blended together, and the tapestry? It, it looked like a sunset at evening." And she said, "No, honey, I didn't see that." Oh, he said, "Well, did you see the throne? It looked like one giant piece of gold." I've never seen a throne like that. Did you see that? She said, no, honey, I didn't see that. He said, well, what did you see? She said, I saw the face of a man who said he'd die for me. I want to tell you, folk, let's just be honest. When we get to heaven, I don't know, maybe I'm just speaking for myself. I, I, I ain't never had no gold, so why would I want gold in heaven? I don't care anything about the gold. I don't care anything about the jasper, the walls and the and the rubies and and the pearls and the gates and I I I want to look into the face of the one who died for me because nobody has ever done that before. I dare say no one's died for anybody in this room save Jesus. I'm telling you. When that trumpet sounds, you'll never be able to witness to anybody else. It's over. When that trumpet sounds, you'll never be able to pray for anybody else. It's over. You say, preacher, what are you telling me? I'm telling you that the Word of God says salvation is today. Be saved today. And I know I'm speaking to a lot of other folks that are Christians, and this message is really geared to you more than anything else. But I can't help but wondering, oh, my soul, you need to pray. Pray for your staff and pray for your church. I, 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 hmm. I can't help but wondering what would happen if 50 people in this place Totally surrendered to God so I'm gonna live for God I just wonder what next Sunday would be like father we're grateful that you give us another opportunity to be saved I pray today Lord for everyone in this place that needs to make a decision for you Lord today today would you let it be their day of salvation I pray today Lord for Members of this church that we have loved, cared for, prayed for, laughed with, wept with. Oh, God, bring us back together. Bring us together where the gospel is the most important thing in our hearts and our lives. May we love one another as you have loved us. Lord, I pray for those this morning that are here that are looking for a church home, God, would today be the day, if that's your will, God, let let them move today. Lord, don't let them wander around. I pray today, God, when we leave this place and walk out of this place, we can all be heard it saying, it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. It's been good to see what God has done and what God will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand together?